We're going to pray about three or four prayer points before uh, Pastor will come up. The first prayer point will be from Hosea chapter 4. Let's turn our Bibles there. Hosea chapter 4, and it's a scripture that you know very well. Now, let's start reading from, well, we're going to verse 6 anyway, but let's start reading from verse 1. It says, listen to, listen to the word of the Lord, O sons of Israel. For the Lord has a case against the inhabitants of the land, because there is no faithfulness or kindness or knowledge of God in the land. Now, listen, this is what the Lord has. It said, because there is no faithfulness or kindness or knowledge of God in the land. Verse 2, there is swearing, deception, murder, stealing, and adultery. They, are, they employ violence so that bloodshed follows bloodshed. Verse 3, therefore the land mourns, and everyone who lives in it languishes along with the beasts of the field and the birds of the sky, and also the fish of the sea dis- disappear. In verse 4, yet let no one find fault, and let none offer reproof, for your people are like those who contend with the priests. It says in verse 5, so you will stumble by day, and the prophet also will stumble with you by night, and I will destroy your mother. It now says in verse 6, it says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. It says, because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you from being my priests. Since you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. Now, our prayer point is from that verse 6. The, the, the B part, it says, because you have rejected knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge. It says, therefore, I will also reject you. You are a priest of God. You are a king of God. Now, nobody, nobody uh, you know, overtly or comes out to say, I'm rejecting knowledge. But sometimes, you know, these things play out in different forms. People reject knowledge sometimes without even um, um, knowing that they are rejecting knowledge. Of course, one outright reject, rejection of knowledge is that they will refuse to hear. The Bible says wisdom is in the street and wisdom is crying. Amen? But people just turn deaf ears to wisdom. Now, our prayer is this. Because sometimes, you know, we just say, I will not reject knowledge. It's good to say that. But let us pray that the Spirit of God will empower us that we will not reject knowledge. Amen? Yes, either subtly, either it's coming subtly or overtly, but whichever, we will not reject knowledge. That when knowledge is offered to us, when the Lord is offering us knowledge, another way of rejecting knowledge is when you hear and you have not done. You know, there's, a, there's this proverb that says, he who does not read is not better than he who, um, he who, he who cannot read is not better than he who, that, that, that does not read. Praise the name of the Lord. So, brethren, we're going to pray. May you not reject knowledge. Amen? Because this is the word of the Lord. Remember what we'll be looking for, at since, for about two weeks now is that we're increasing the knowledge of God. And, you know, Pastor was teaching on uh, Saturday. Paul said that I may know him. Amen? That I may know him. So that knowledge of God is very important for us. That knowledge of God. So let us pray and say, Lord, may I not reject knowledge. Whatever it means to reject knowledge. Whether it is offered to me and I say no to it, may I not come to that point of rejecting knowledge. He said, because when people come to that point, then the Lord has no option than to reject his people as being priests. Open your mouth and pray and say, Lord, may I not reject knowledge. Oh, sometimes these things come subtly. Knowledge is offered to you. I mean the knowledge of God. 
Wisdom is crying, but we pay deaf, we pay deaf ear to it. Let us pray and say, Lord, help me. You know, it's by the help of God. Help me that I will not reject knowledge. Help me that sometimes we give excuses. You know, we give excuses to why we are, you know, why we cannot attend to some certain things that's part, that, you know, that has to do with God. We give excuses why we cannot listen to the word. We give excuses why we cannot pray. We give excuses why, you know, we cannot come for fellowship. There are various ways people reject knowledge. Let us pray and say, Father, in the name of Jesus, help me that I will not reject knowledge. That I will not reject knowledge. Can you pray? In any way, whatever it means to reject knowledge, whatever it means, let me not come to that point where I'm rejected, either by my arrogance. You know, people reject knowledge by arrogance. Sometimes people think they know. Sometimes the idols in our hearts just makes us push the knowledge of God away. And say, Father, in the name of Jesus, help me not to reject knowledge. It could be knowledge in some certain areas, you know, that is being brought to you, offered to you, but you reject it. Lord, help me that I, that I will not reject the knowledge of God. Of course, the knowledge we're talking about here is the knowledge of God. I will not reject the knowledge of God. It says, my people have rejected knowledge. As a result, I will reject them for being praised. That's a consequence of rejecting knowledge. Oh, Lord, help us. What we are asking for is your help. What we are asking for is your help. In the name of Jesus, we're asking for your help. We are asking for your help. That you will help us. That we will not reject knowledge. By your help, Lord Jesus, help us. That when knowledge is presented to us, when the knowledge of God is presented to, to us, our ears will hear, our eyes will see, and our hearts will gain understanding. Because you are the one presenting that knowledge to us. In the name of Jesus. Father, we give you praise. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. People of God, as Christians, we are helped by God. We have no strength of our own. Amen? That's why the Holy Spirit was given to us to help us. I was talking with some people, and I said, how many, okay, we're talking of, um, there was a lady that murdered another lady, and I said, how many people think that they can do such things? And I heard, you know, they said, God forbid, that I can never do it. Sometimes, let's not make the, the, the statements of proud people. Amen? You are helped by God. Your sanity is because God, the Holy Spirit is in you. It's not that you can't do some things. Take the Holy Spirit from you, you can do anything. Praise the Lord. Take the Holy Spirit from you. When the Holy Spirit is not there, the Bible says an insanity, you know, Saul went mad. When the Holy Spirit was taken. We are, we are sane because the Holy Spirit is in us. There are certain things we can't do, not because we are strong on our own, but because the Holy Spirit is restraining us from doing those things. And will the Holy Spirit not leave you? If there are areas where the Holy Spirit needs to restrain you, may the Holy Spirit continue to restrain you. So I'd like you to pray and say, Lord, please continue to help me. You know, it's just by the mercy of God. It's by, we are kept by the power of God. Let us pray and say, Lord, by your hand, please keep keeping me. Please keep keeping me. Don't let me go. Don't let me go. Keep me. Keep me. Don't let me go. That restraining power of God. That restraining power of God. Lord, don't leave me alone. Let's pray. Lord, please don't leave me alone.
Don't leave me alone. Don't leave me alone. Keep me. Keep me. By your power, keep me. By your power, restrain me. If you need the mercy of God, if you need the power of God to help you, it's not that I cannot. No. Sometimes we make statements of pride and arrogance. No, we are helped by the Lord. We are helped by the Lord. So let's pray that the Lord will continue to help us. As individuals, the Lord will continue to help us. We have no strength of our own. (laughs) You know, we have no discipline of our own. Our discipline is Christ. Oh, Lord, help us. The boundaries, Lord, that you have set for us. Help us, Lord, not to cross those boundaries. The boundaries you have established, Lord, by your spirit, restrain us, Lord. Please open your mouth and pray. Open your mouth and pray for yourself. Lord, restrain us. Lord, restrain us. That will not cross those boundaries that you have set for us. That you will continue to help everyone calling on you for help. That we will continue to enjoy your mercy. That we will continue to enjoy your hand upon us. Lord, please continue to help us. And we will be careful to give you all the glory because we know that you have been the one helping us. Father, we thank you. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. And finally, we'll pray for his church. And what I will pray for the church, First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 20, uh, thing 25. It says, Paul, Paul speaking, he said, pray for us. So we're going to pray for God's people. We're going to pray for you know, those in the field. We're going to pray for pastors. We're going to pray for everyone who teach and preach this truth. We're going to ask that the Lord will keep them in the name of Jesus. Open your mouth and pray for them. Pray for the church of God. Pray for God's servants, everyone who is preaching, everyone who is teaching truth, everyone who is shining the light of God. Ask that the Lord will keep them. You know, Paul said, pray that, that they will be kept from, the, from evil men. For not everyone fears the Lord, not everyone fears God. Oh, pray that the Lord will keep his servants. The Lord will keep his servants. Everyone who is, you know, dedicated to propagating this truth. That the Lord will keep them. That the Lord will grant them good health. That the Lord will keep them as they go about teaching, as they go about preaching, as they go about printing materials for the purpose of this. That the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the will of God. That the Lord will keep his servant. Please, can you pray? You're praying scripture here. You're praying scripture here. Ask that the Lord will keep his servants. That they will not be tired. That the Lord will help them fight their secret battles. Maybe there are names you want to call. You you can call those names. You have pastors who have blessed you. You have teachers who have blessed you. Begin to call their names. People of God, they need your prayer. Paul said, pray for us. Paul was speaking. Pray for those who teach. You know somebody who is a teacher of God's word, who is a preacher of God's word. Ask that the Lord will keep these words. Ask that the Lord will keep these words. (laughs) That the enemy will not scatter the shepherd of God. No, no, no. Those who, you know, who, are, who have oversight over the sheep, that the Lord will not, the enemies will not scatter them. Ask that as they go out, there will be mighty miracles through their hands. That the Lord will do mighty miracles in their ministries. That as they speak, they will see the words produce fruit, life in the lives of the people who hear them. Oh, brethren, pray. Pray. That the Lord will send help to them. That the Lord will send help to them. You know, sometimes these people go through secret battles you might not even know. Fighting secret battles. Ask that the Lord will support them. That the Lord will support them. 
Everyone in the field. The Lord will keep their children, keep their wives. Lord will give you praise. Blessed be God forever. And I'd like you to begin to pray finally that the Lord will give you a word today. Say, Lord, give me a word today. I have come, Lord, my heart is open. I've come with my ears open. Oh, that word you have kept for me as your child. Lord, send that word to me. Correct me, rebuke me, encourage me, encourage your people. As your word comes forth, Lord, let healing come forth. Send grace to us. Shine your life through us. Father, we give you praise. Blessed be your name forever. We bless your name, Lord. For great things you will do today, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for what you will do here. Thank you, Lord, for what you do through those listening, uh, you know, through the social media handles. Thank you, Lord, for your power that, would, that, is, that has already gone forth. Lord, we bless your name. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Uh, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Ah, the Lord is good. I was saying the Lord is good all the time. I see you are now convinced, Abba. Hey, I didn't say Banky is good. I didn't say Okemute is good. What did I say? The Lord. the Lord is good. All right. So, if you believe it, give me an amen. Amen. All right. Quickly, let's take our declaration of understanding so we can sit down and then we'll continue. I still have not made up my mind. I thought we were going to, I wanted to lead some prayers, but then there was some um, stuff that came to my heart that maybe I should share. But we'll see how it goes. Let's take our declaration. All right. If you don't know it by heart, you got this magazine earlier. Just look at the bottom. And that's how you see it written there as we study, as we start to study the word. This is our declaration. Are we ready for that? All right. Remember, it's what? A declaration. It's what? A declaration. All right. One, two, let's go. Now I declare. The Lord has given me this spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of His will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, as a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I'm inclining my ears to his word. The Lord is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I said amen. Amen. The Spirit of God, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, by the entrance of this word this afternoon, it will give life to your mortal bodies Amen. in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So that every affliction, every trouble will be removed Amen. by the power of that spirit Amen. in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Remember, there's payment. What is that? Attention. Pay attention and the power of God will be revealed in your life today in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take our seats. The Lord is good. All the time. I said the Lord is good. Okay. Um, now, there was something I was saying last time. I'd like to uh, remind us of it again. And that's the fact that the people, if you read the scriptures, those who had depths of revelation, depths of understanding, people who the Lord taught by himself directly. The, and they wrote scriptures for the Johns, the Peters, and people like Paul, who after resurrection, Jesus appeared to, you know, because he told him he was going to do that, and he taught him many things. And such people, when they want to pray, 
They want to pray for people. Their prayer tends to, or their prayers tended to be focused on the things that matter. In fact, Paul says something when he was praying in that Philippians for the church in, in the letter to the Philippians. He said, I pray that you will learn to approve the things that are excellent. You know, that you will learn to approve and, you know, um, understand the things that are more important in life. That was one prayer I prayed for them. That they sometimes we need to know that many of our pursuits are nothing but vanity and they're not important. So Paul, we pray that God will open, they give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. He didn't pray that you will prosper and the world will see that your God is a good God. I hope you're getting my point. He didn't focus on that. He didn't seem to remember that these people are doing businesses that are needed to increase. He didn't seem to remember that these men are getting married and needed to have children. He didn't seem to remember all of those things. If you look through the scriptures, you see those things are not bad. They are not bad. God made promises concerning every single one of them. But when these men will want to teach us to pray, I mean, their focus for prayer was on something else. Their focus for prayer was that God will give you the true knowledge of him. I hope you're getting my point. Yeah, yes, it, make, it will tell you that God, you know, I'm praying that you will approve the things that are excellent. I'm praying for you that God will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened. And that told me something. It means that there's, definitely there's something they knew that many of us don't know, especially we pastors that lead people in prayer. Because many times we focus in prayer people's hearts on things that are inferior. What Paul said are not the excellent things of life. I believe these people learn these things. And look at the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't say, you know, you must understand something. Jesus says something, that the Father knows your needs. Are you getting my point? Even before you ask him. So we'll tell you things like, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That all other things will be added to you. Do you understand that? Now, that's what made those men do what they did. They understood that there's, you can't waste prayer. Do you understand my point? I hope you know it's possible to waste prayer time. Yeah, you can waste it. You can waste it. You can have an hour of prayer. Oh, let me give an example. Solomon, like Solomon, God comes to you. say, ask me for anything. And you smile. Say, Lord, we have 100 meters race tomorrow. I want to win. You know why you've been, like all those people in school have been calling you slow, slow. I hope you're getting my point. They've been calling you slow, slow. You will show them. Say, Lord, just give me the... That's, which prophet was that? Elijah. Yes. That spirit that came upon Elijah, that it, he outran the chariot of Ahab. That's what I'm asking for. That's all. And God said, granted. And you smile. And you win the race next day. And realize that vanity upon vanity, all is vanity. You have just chased literally after the wind. Wind was it, you were chasing after it. You wasted a prayer opportunity. As an example, God could have come to Solomon and said to Solomon, ask me for anything. And Solomon will say, some of my brothers are eyeing this throne. Lord, consolidate my throne. Let them not be able to take it. Does any other thing? Mm, I should be richer than my father. Any other thing? I want to be so glorious in my kingdom. And God will say, granted, granted, granted. 
Now, let me say something to you again. This is scriptures like that. Never forget it. Everything you ask for in life has something that comes with it, whether you are told or you are not told. Did you hear what I said? Everything in life has something that follows it. See, let me explain what I say. Let us assume that, um, what can I give as an example now? Pin, the inside this thing, that this, that this, there's pin inside, and when you wipe your face, you prick your face. Assume it has been it ordained eternally like that. If you ask for this handkerchief from God, and he gives it to you, this pin will still prick your face. You can ask the Lord for a blessing. You think it is a blessing. And God said, listen, with it comes distractions from your destiny. But you insist upon that thing. You know what he will do? He will give it to you. But he has withdrawn from himself the ability to remove the negatives. So you take the good with the bad which you did not ask for. That is why it's a skill in Christianity on how to pray. That's why those people came and said, teach us to pray. Because many people have asked for things that at the end of the day, they didn't bless them. In Israel, they said, we want, we want food. We want meat. Manna in the morning, manna in the evening. Manna in the, uh, on Monday, manna on Tuesday. Morning on Tuesday, manna. Evening on Wednesday, manna. Thursday morning, manna. Friday evening, manna. In fact, evening on Friday, double portion. So we don't have to come out on Saturday. Which kind of thing is this song? Our soul loads this manna. God said, eat this manna. I know why I gave you the manna. Have you ever, asked, have you ever seen a child ask for a variety of breast milk? God said, eat this manna. I gave children breast milk. They don't get tired. They suck till it comes out of their nostrils. <laughs> then they will carry them and pat their back. They will belch. They will sleep. They will wake up and get eh? Where is it? Is it like little children desire what? Sincere milk. Don't desire any of that. Thing. You know, babies don't desire any of that. Thing. Good enough. Medical science now studied and said that breast milk is the best though. So when they say exclusive breast milk for babies, they don't expect you to give the baby water. If the baby is thirsty, give him breast milk. If he's hungry, give him breast milk. If he's angry, give him breast milk. If he's happy, more breast milk. You know, medical science found out that it is the healthiest thing you can give to a baby. Don't add any other thing to it. They said, look, if you can do it for six months, please try. Because I noticed that by the fifth month, my mom won that. So, <laughs> some babies are wicked. As they are expanding, the mother is shrinking. You see the mother go, the next father said that, you want to disappear, my wife? Now beg, take a pap. <laughs> they eat, that's all. And God said to Israel, take this breast milk. It's called manna. Let me tell you something about baby's breast milk. It has everything. It has everything in it. If you say carbohydrate, it did here. Protein, abba, it's milk. 
Fat, it has a lot of fat. It has. If you, if you, you know, there's a way you can churn it. In fact, you know, cheese and all of that is made from, you know, cow milk. It has fat. It's fat is there. Minerals, <laughs> anywhere where the mother keeps it, it will extract it and put it inside there. Even has some strange things, like antibodies to line the baby's gut, prevent infections in babies. He has all kinds of things. So God said, Israel, for a few days, I will nurse you, and I will feed you with heavenly breast milk. It's called manna. Eat that and eat it alone. They ate it in the morning, in the afternoon, instead of desiring the sincere milk of the world. Let me tell you something, another thing we must understand. As people, you make up your mind what you want to desire. I hope, see, babies, yes, God made them like that. It's reflex for them. But then, anytime you have a type, when God uses something as a type, the anti-type, sometimes there is a little incomplete, identical, you know, what I'm is that it's not fully identical. For example, you know, the one I just gave an example, now babies, that's how they are wired, but then when we want to be like that, we have to consciously go back to being babies. You deliberately do it. I hope you can understand here. Yes, you deliberately do it. Okay, so that's the limitation in the, you know, in the, in the type. Okay, using it as a type. Because in our own case, we deliberately say, I will be like a babe. My flesh wants to behave like an adult. But as a babe, I will desire the sincere me. What I'm trying to say is that you make up your mind what you want to desire. You make up your mind what your soul gravitates towards. You train yourself in what you love. You do. A habit I have, <laughs> everybody's been around me, they not, they've noticed it. Yeah, I listen to messages a lot. I listen, once I'm, if I'm driving, I listen to messages. I'm lying down at home. I listen to messages. You know, there are times I want to do something else. But I just find that over time, I have, you know, cultured myself into a place where hearing the word, if I yesterday night, I was listening to a message. I fell asleep. My wife came into the room. I woke up. Then I talked to her about something. Then suddenly, I got angry. With something the man was preaching. I said, he has come again. He has come again. I jumped that area, and I went on another message by the same man. <laughs> I just learned that. I said, this is one area where this man just gets on my nerves. And I jumped. I said, I'm not in the mood for getting angry this night. So I jumped that section. I listened to another section. I'll go to another message. I can listen to the same man, all right? I, have, I don't know how I have. I'm sure I have over 200 of his messages, and I keep listening. But I get to the area, I just get angry. Then I, what I'm going to say is that I've so formed the culture of it that sometimes you even annoy me. I skip, I just, I say, no, he will, this annoying thing he will say for two minutes. I'll jump to the end of it. There was a little a particular message in the house. This is by somebody else, not a man I listen to a lot, but a man who I've learned a lot from. So I got a lot of his messages. I didn't do so well listening to them because of the way he teaches. I have some of his books I read. The man used to insult black people. He said they, they came from the bush the other day. And he saw the American president as trying to grant them equal right voting, all those kind of Because please miss it long ago. And when he starts insulting black people, I start laughing. I'll come away, come on here, come on here, come on here. He said, black, he said, this black people that came from Africa, a continent that has a lot of disease, a lot of nonsense. 
He's in church, you know. God has, you know, see, God has to forgive. If he doesn't forgive, go kill. He, if God does not forgive, he has to kill. So he had to train himself in forgiveness. Because some things, you shouldn't do them on the pulpit. Pastors campaign on pulpit. The one that I saw yesterday on TV, a guy told my wife, see me, see issue. They're always selling, you know, telling you to eat cucumber, garlic. You know, coronavirus, they say it is turmeric with uh, ginger and... Uh, Sorry, I'm sorry to say, I didn't want to say it, but I want to say it. I hope you know it's all, you know, Bobo Leche's Babalawism. There's nothing. <laughs> if you like, put elephant grass inside. It's, uh, <laughs> People have said, anyway. So pastors get into all of those kind of things. You shouldn't. If you're a minister of the gospel, you shouldn't. Try and sanctify this zone. Do you understand? Sanctify this zone. Be very, very careful. No matter, don't be tempted, because sometimes they want to help people. One said, don't eat white potato, eat uh, no, the no Irish potato is white. You should eat the, the... If I even heard the Yibuma say, eat yam or... Ah, I said, you know yam. <laughs> you know, sometimes we get carried away. We get, so as pastors, we shouldn't... We should be careful. I keep on dropping these things. Pastors, you know, even if you are tempted, all right? Just try and resist that temptation. Resist it. Resist it, okay? So this man was there insulting black people. Because they recorded everything. And me, I was there laughing. If I was going to that church and I was doing that, you know, I'll continue going. And you see the reason why in a moment. So after a while, my wife came and asked me, said, sorry, my husband, I don't understand. Why are you listening to this man? With everything he said, why are you listening to him? Ah, I said, my wife, he knows some things I've never heard anybody else explain. I said, he knows some things that nobody else I know knows. Let us manage his insults. Not in person that doesn't know me. He doesn't know me. He does not know my father. He doesn't know my grandfather. He has never been to Nigeria. If I if he goes to Nigeria, it's happened to bite him. So <laughs> I don't know what I say in my life now. I said I said to her, I said, look, he doesn't oh God. if you know the kind of person I am, eh? he doesn't concern me. He said that they are discriminated against blacks. I said blacks discriminate against black based on the state of origin. They discriminate black. Who said state of origin? Local government. <laughs> the community, family, self. You are the, your mother is the first. Your mother is the first. Uh, you know, is the second wife or third wife. My mother is the first wife. Why? Why, why can you talk on that? So discrimination is in our soul. It's a human thing. It's not a white thing. The white man they discriminate because he has the opportunity to discriminate. And let me tell you the truth: every natural man does it. Christians discriminate against Christians. Which denomination? Are you the original denomination or the reformed one? Look, if white man doesn't want to greet me, it's his father's problem. doesn't concern me. Now you, they lose. If, if you had greeted me, I would have said, God bless you. That's two extra days to your foolish life. But you now you didn't greet me. I held my blessing. My peace has returned to me. Who lose? If I sit down in the bus, you don't sit down beside me. You just lost. When that bus crashes, the zone of protection, you heard. <laughs> no, that's my attitude. It doesn't listen to me, brethren. It doesn't annoy me. Don't join us who do a shouting racism. They themselves are racist. Look at Americans that shout, the blacks that shout racism. I, of, course, I, of course, we all have a lot of people abroad. They said, look, they are, they, like, immigrant blacks said their worst problems are the the black Americans that they met there. 
that they are better treated by white people than the blacks that are Americans. I've heard this testimony from different ones. That is as if when they come, because of the way they succeed, they prove to the American black that you are part of the problem. So that turns them against them. Because when they come, they come with degrees, they, they, they get masters, they, 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 know, they keep moving. And you know, I'm leaving my message, I forgot, you remember that, my guy? <laughs> so I'm telling you, why does he bother me? So my voice, why are you listening to him? I said, sweetheart, he knows stuff that other people I know, all the other preachers I know don't know. I said, for example, he explained those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. He was the one that explained it so that I understood it. He have a little book by him when he talks about how to rest in God. He was, a, he's a mili- he was a military officer. So he takes the rest, you know, gives it like a military command. The little book, when I read it, I learned how to rest in God. I said, the insult, when I get to heaven, I go do it like this. Mm-hmm. We are here together. <laughs> Discriminate, let Jesus Christ catch you now. <laughs> So I made a culture, that's what I make, of just listening to messages. I would just go from one to the other. So what you desire, that's where I began from, remember that? It's a habit you form as an adult. You deliberately go back to the childhood thing in which milk satisfies you and is good. And you're not tired of the milk. You're never tired of it. One thing about me is that the messages I like, are the ones I listen to. In fact, I don't count the number of times I've listened to a message anymore. Because this is of digital, everything digitized. I mean, I'm sure I have over 500 messages on my phone at a time. You know? Just, I know I just look. So, I want to drive. I'll just look. I'll just go there. Mm, but, but sometimes when I'm, my spirit is down, I have a few messages that I, I play. And those messages, I'll play them now maybe 200 times, maybe 300. I'm serious. One particular message. I remember answering the call by Kenny Higgin. That thing has a, it's a short message, maybe about 40, 50 minutes. He has this habit of inspiring me. So I mean, like I wasn't feeling well the other day. His messages like that I play because I, I can recite it as he's preaching and preaching it in my heart. As he's speaking, I'm speaking it in my heart. As he's speaking, I'm speaking. If I fall asleep, both of us are preaching it. He's saying it on the tape. I'm saying it in my dream. I'm saying, do you understand my point? Yes. I listen. Oh, my God. There are messages that if the thing mistakenly jump, I say, hey, this device has jumped. Because the thing is, I have it complete in my head. Are you getting my point here? It's a deliberate habit. That's the point I'm making. It's a deliberate habit. You don't, it's not monotonous because like a babe would desire that milk. But you know, Israel didn't understand that. Instead of training themselves to desire manna, they began to desire other things. They said, oh, is it? Eh? In Egypt, if my wife brings rice like this, he slices, she will slice cucumbers on it. Garlic day here. I don't know why anybody should be angry that he doesn't have garlic. <laughs> why is there even anybody angry over garlic? Eh? He said, we, our souls loathe this manna. 
It's like a baby saying that I'm tired of breast milk. And it's only two weeks old. You are still in the wilderness. You have not in the promised land. You are tired of breast milk. You know what God will not do for you as a baby at the age of two when you are tired of breast milk? He'll give you fried rice and chicken. Eat. You tell your mother, stuff it in his mouth. You know, children emergency is where you will land in four hours' time. <laughs> At the age of two weeks, when they give you fried rice and chicken, you are going to children emergency. Let me assure you, you are likely to have surgery by the next day, and they will cut off a bit of your barrel. I mean, you're three weeks old. And you're saying, I'm tired of breast milk. That's what happened to Israel. And they were tired of this. God said, all right. Give them meat. Say they want meat. He gave them meat according to the loss that was in their hearts. But that's what Paul was trying to make. You know, that, lo- that meat, the Bible said, sent what? Leanness into their So they became sick. They began to die. He will give them the food. God. That's why I said, making requests in prayer is a training. You have to be trained. It's not, it's not everybody that open, you just open your mouth without learning. You can't just say, where Christians pray. Those who don't want me to succeed, let them die. Foolish prayer. Foolish prayer. Traditional African warrior prayer. And I said the other day, a lot of people carried African fights. They carried it into church. The only difference is that before, when they want to kill somebody, they will cut the neck of uh, maybe chicken and break the leg of goat or whatever it is. And then they will now say, oh, batala, amadioha, ogu, whatever. And the person will now die. They gave their life to Christ. They are still going to kill. This time around, they will give a sacrifice, 500,000 naira, so that their enemies may die. And they die in the name of Jesus. You see, they, are not, they have not repented. They just changed gods. They are still worshipping after the old order. Somebody forgot to tell them, <coughs> in Christianity, love your enemies. Pray for them that do evil to you. Understand that your neighbor, ignorance is his portion. He doesn't know what he's doing. Follow the example of the Lord Jesus Christ and of Stephen and say, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. So many people listen to me. Every day people are praying. And please, if you are listening to me from anywhere, if you are listening to this, be careful that your prayers do not enjoy you. Many people have been injured by their prayers. And I'm not joking about it. Sometimes I say these things, I laugh, but let me tell you, I mean it. If you are a die, die person, you are not going to live long. Please, listen to me. I'm not cursing you. I'm warning you. You are not likely. You are not likely. You will not live long. If you are the type that every time you want to pray, your focus is that those who don't like you have to die. Those who don't want you to progress have to die. Every, you know what the reason why? Every time you pray like that, you are wiping yourself away from being a candidate of mercy. That's why. See, the scriptures made it clear, he that shows mercy will obtain mercy. So if your prayers are not marked by mercy, listen to me. 
One day, you will make a small mistake. And somebody in your office will say, God punish you. Next day, you're dead. And they'll say, why did he die? Because I had no occasion to show him mercy. So the moment voices of accusation began to rise up against him, as a just judge, I, there was no option. He had to go. Why did he go? Because of six, seven, ten years of praying foolish prayers. Be careful that your prayers do not hurt you. What I'm saying is very important, though. That's why these, those guys came to Jesus and said, teach us to pray. We need to know how to pray. We can't just be opening our mouths and uttering nonsense every day. Teach us to pray so that we do not waste prayer time. I dare to say it. God forgive me if I'm wrong. But congregational prayers that have sinned. I think Christians waste at least... Okay, let's be very conservative. 80% is wasted as prayer time. 80, 80%. No, imagine church will gather every Sunday and then we are wasting 80% of the prayer time. Ah, <laughs> something is bad. Something is wrong. We have to correct that. That, would be, that, that means that, that's the problem with the country. That's the problem of headsmen. Communal clashes, that's a problem. Because the people that hold the power, 80% of the time they spend praying, they have wasted the time. They're not praying effective prayer. I'll give an example. Once I saw one major church somewhere, where in Abuja, they were leading prayer in the midst of crisis. When I saw what their organ led as prayer, God forgive me. Based on what he said, God cannot answer that. I heard them pray. Church of thousands. I said, which of this one do you want God to answer? I, mean, I couldn't see what he would answer there. You know why? The first thing he did was to stir the congregation to anger against somebody, against flesh and blood, against a governor somewhere, against a president. And when they finished stirring up everybody to anger, he said, now begin to pray. You know what Jesus did? Jesus collected his uh, Bible, his magazine, his face towel, and his phone. <laughs> he said, I'm going. And the pastor did not know. And he said, in the name of Jesus. Jesus looked like that. Who? Did you mention my name? I warn yourself. I'm going to say, an average... Christian in Nigeria, when they are praying for the nation, they are so angry, God cannot allow their prayer to pollute heaven. They are angry. No one says, where is God my maker? They are angry. Do you know, many times they don't even understand that they don't belong to a tribe. That, no, that they belong to a tribe, and that tribe is called Christ. They pray on the platform of I'm a Yoruba man. I'm an Igbo man. That's the platform of prayer. If a Christian, you come on that platform, you are wasting your time. There are people who come to pray. There will be equity in this country. What they mean is that they've looked at the appointment of the governor. Nobody from their local government is a commissioner or special 
advisor. So they began to pray. The God of justice. God said that you are alive. Eh? It's God of mercy that's operating. If I operate God of justice that you are calling, you will not finish this prayer meeting. Oh, later we'll talk about it. There's, be careful when you are calling God. They say, when you call God, you, you are in trouble. Say, God does justice. Avenger of his people. Meanwhile, you are the sinner. You are owing everybody. <laughs> You've been collecting people's money. You, God gave you money. You refuse to give them their money back. Then one person just injured you small. Then you say, God of justice. Avenger. <laughs> you don't know those who have been calling him Avenger since. And he has been keeping quiet. Hoping you will repent. You now open your mouth. And say, God of justice. Avenge me of my adversary. Because they're not in spoil. Oh yeah. All the people you lied against. You cheated. You bore false witness. Who have cried against you. I've just been watching you since. Now you have called God of vengeance to come. Abba. Where do you think I was that from? After the prayer, you fall sick. When you're almost dead, somebody says, God, please, have mercy on him. Then you recover. There's some people are very foolish. They will go back to that prayer because the man who did them bad has not yet paid. <laughs> have you forgotten the man? Who was, who, how much was he owing? He was owing the master a lot of money. He said, have patience with me. I will pay you all. The master looked and said, leave him, let him go. Then they got to the door. One guy just bought like 200 naira from him. The <laughs> said, grabbed him by the neck. Give me my money. He said, please, I don't have money. He carried the man go police. They locked the man up. I can't remember the exact figures, but it was as if he was owing the other man 20 million. This one is owing him 200 naira. So when the God of justice answered, he said, carry him, lock him up. His wife, his children, sell, him, sell all of them as slaves. I want my money. One of the things you must exercise yourself in as a Christian is mercy. Do you know why? It's a seed. <laughs> I know what I'm telling you. It's a seed. Mercy. Because uh, you need it to. I know the truth. The things that are really powerful, negatively, spiritually, many of us don't think much about them. I don't know that I'm getting my point. That is, you are committing them, you are not thinking much about them. But you are so angry with anything that does, anybody that does anything. Somebody, somebody takes your slippers, you're in a hostel. You're angry. Two days later, you are still angry. Slippers. Let's not sit on that too much. The point I'm making is that learn the habit of showing mercy because it's a seed. Because he that shows mercy is the one that will do what? That will obtain mercy. I was saying, we have to be careful with our prayer points. I just, I just digress into that. Many people are sowing evil seeds for themselves concerning how they pray. Another example of wrong seeds we sow for ourselves when we pray is when we go there counting our good works. And pastors keep teaching it. 
they carry scripture and twist it. That uh, um, when Elijah, when Hezekiah was sick, Hezekiah counted his good works for God. I said, why don't you just read your Bible completely? So Hezekiah did no such thing. If you go and read the complete story, Hezekiah said, ah, hey, I, I was almost dead. If I, let, let's, show you, let, let's read it together so that we'll just see that what we are saying is the truth. Isaiah chapter 30, it's around 38, 39. I just want to read the part that people forget to read. They read the portion in which, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech you, how I have walked before you in truth and with a whole heart. And I have done what is good in your sight. And Ezekiel wept bitterly. That's verse 3 of chapter 38. They read that and say, hey, he was quoting his good works for God. Please read that in context. He, was, he didn't do any such thing. This is how I summarize what he said there. I have no other God but you. Look at how I have been pursuing after you, Lord. Where else will I go? You want to know the real prayer he prayed. Look at the real prayer Ezekiah prayed. A writing of Ezekiah, verse 9. A writing of Ezekiah, king of Judah, after his illness and recovery. Listen to this. I said, in the middle of my life, I am to enter the gates of Sheol. I am to be deprived of the rest of my years. I said, I will not see the Lord, the Lord in the land of the living. I will look on man no more among the inhabitants of the world. Like a shepherd's tent, my dwelling is pulled up and removed from me. As a weaver, I rolled up my life. He cuts me off from the loom. From the day until, from day until night, you make an end of me. I compose my soul until morning. Like a lion, so he breaks all my bones. And I'm going to jump for, for time's sake. Verse 15 says, what shall I say? For he has spoken to me, and he himself has done it. Wasn't the devil? He said, I will wonder about all my years because of the bitterness of my soul. Oh Lord, by these things men live, and all this is a life of my spirit. Oh, restore to me health and let me live. Lo, for my welfare I had great bitterness. I hope you're following this now. For my welfare, for my own good, he says, I had great bitterness. It is you who has kept my soul from the pit of nothingness. For you have cast what? For you have done what? You have cast all my sins behind your back. For sure can not thank you. Death cannot praise you. Those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your faithfulness. It is a living who gives thanks to you as I do today. A father tells his sons about your faithfulness. The Lord will surely save me. So we will play my songs on string instruments all the days of my life at the house of the Lord. Now, this was a prayer that Ezekiel really prayed. He wasn't there bragging for God on the things he had done. He told God, Ah, you are a merciful God. You have cast what? All my sins behind you. The dead will not praise you. Did you see the way he prayed? He wasn't there bragging. I built you a temple. People said, this guy, listen, he did no such thing. All he said to God is simple. Lord, I have pursued after you. Where else will I go? You are my, I hope you are getting it in context. It was not with the arrogance of, I give. 
I gave my land. Why should I be sick? There are those who believe that because they tithe regularly, they will never have problems. But you know you have been having problems. And it is not because God is unfaithful. It's because not so life be. No Christian can rebuke any devourer with any tithe. Do you hear what I said? I see, they're afraid to hear you. It is not Christian. Don't stop, stop. I've been warning people. Stop fooling yourself. Stop giving yourself false confidence. Confidence that God never gave to you or offered you. There is no confidence in anything apart from faith in Christ Jesus. There is no confidence in anything that a Christian can have apart from faith in Christ Jesus. If your life tight from now till tomorrow, it doesn't guarantee that your life will not be tight. All these works you do in trying to manipulate blessing into your life is a problem. It's confusion. You're walking in confusion. You know, no matter how much you say, some people want to play safe. Do you understand my point? They want to play safe. There's only one problem. Once you have heard me, you, have, you can't be safe again. The day you heard me, because I removed that safety catch, I removed it, I removed it. The voice of Banky, as he's speaking for me, shall be ringing in your ears, you are disobeying me. Should I give 10% of my income to my church? It's very simple. Whose money is it? It's your money. Whose church is it? It's your church. Whose decision is it? It's your decision. I mean, why should we quarrel over it? Will it prevent things from jumping your fence? Oh. Snake, your joints jump, self. You don't worry about it. It doesn't prevent anything. It doesn't. It doesn't prevent it more than regularly buying food and clothing and paying your children's school fees will prevent it. Because of it is the work of God. Have I ever said, God, you will bless me? And God said, Banky, why? So I can't just say I bought clothes for my children last week. Because they don't buy it. Let them go naked first. He said, don't buy clothes. Is it okay with that we buy it? My friend, get away, God. Are you not their father? Nonsense. If you need more money, you come and talk. Say, Lord, please. I wanted to buy four shirts for Benga, but money finished in number three. And I promised him the fourth one. Lord, please, this week, can you open doors so that we can go back and finish the shopping? Then we know you are praying. So giving you all you know, stupid prayer. God, you will bless me. Why? Look at the way, I look at the way I bought, I took care of my household. I gave them money for food and raiment. You know, God will just be looking at you saying, this boy decreased. So. That's precisely how he reacts when you come with your tight card. Let me tell you what your tight card is for. It's for the pastor of your church to know you are following the rules of the church, period. She cannot. Prayer time, if you bring it, God will punish you. She, I know what, she, you know, say, I know, the, I won't lie to you. If you bring that thing near prayer time, you are begging for divine judgment. Keep it for your pastor. Say, pastor. Because I know pastors that before they counsel, you say, bring your tight card. They will check it. Is it complete? You didn't pay in June. Say, just hope your problem did not start in June because I shall not counsel any problem. (laughs) You're laughing. I've seen it too. You can't bury your father. Why? Your father went and died. You are a non-titer. Forget it. (laughs) 
Look, all those is our social support system. It's social. Are you getting my point? I'm not saying it's evil. I'm just saying it is it's social. And our church social system, if you don't belong to the... I mean, you have to belong to something. Some people I feel sorry for. If you do not go bury yourself, you don't tie it anywhere, you don't. <laughs> you don't... Village money, you never pay, finish. Your church, you never pay. You're on your own. And the pastor came there, so always available for people like you. <laughs> At the end of the day, when he finishes burying you, they will say, thank you, sir. Nothing for you. <laughs> the Lord is good. Listen, those things say, look, you don't, don't bring them near prayer time. That's the point I'm trying to make. They get us injured. The truth is that, listen, hear it clearly. You have, listen, you haven't done as much as you should do. You have no bragging right. You are behind in the expectations of God concerning you. The reason why you can approach is because he chose to overlook, like, like Isaiah said, and Ezekiah said, you have carried all my sins, thrown them behind your back. That's the reason why you can approach. And when you want to fight in this life, know the tough on, on which you will fight. You have to know the tough. If you want to fight, know the tough. Spiritual fight now. Your adversary who? Your adversary who? So the person you are fighting is who? The devil. So when you want to fight, know where you want to fight to. Don't fight on his tough. Don't fight where he has exercised himself for thousands of years. Don't fight where he knows more than you know. Don't fight where he's stronger than you. Don't fight where he's a master accuser. He knows the things you have not done. Don't fight. Drag the fight to the place where he can't see. He can't even see you. Drag the fight to the place where nobody will listen to him. Drag the fight to the place where everything is speaking for you. Drag the fight into Christ. In Christ, Satan cannot distinguish between you and Jesus. I like that song by Nathaniel Bassi. He said, uh, how does he, is it? I plead the blood. He said, when the enemy comes, he says, he says I plead the blood, I plead the blood, I plead the blood. When you are pleading the blood, you cannot plead any other thing. In Christ, we can't, you understand, plead our own works. We can only plead what Jesus has done for us by virtue of his sacrifice on the cross. You can't go to God and say, maybe as me, you have, you have a throat problem. Like the other day, they say, Pavarotti. You know, Pavarotti is dead, right? You know, Pavarotti now. <laughs> they don't know about Anyway, he's an he Italian opera singer. And so after some time, he developed um, cancer in the throat. And I don't know whether that's what killed him. And it happens with some of our own brethren, too. They developed you know, cancer in the throat because they've been singing. For, you know, the, the voice has been yeah, straight. The voice box has been harassed and harassed. Pavarotti, they sing at very high pitches. They really stress that the vocal cords. So they developed cancer on the vocal cords. Yes, it happens a lot. It does, you know. Now, I, I mean, I, I, okay, it, it, not to just singers now, preachers. I'm a preacher, so maybe most of the talking I do 
is preaching, then I now have a problem with my throat. This is how to die from it. Go and kneel down and say, Lord, I have used this voice to preach your message for the last 20 years. I have been singing for you. So as long as a Christian musician, all I have used this voice to do is to praise and praise and praise and praise. Are you going to watch it go down? God says, yes, and so. <laughs> because in your mind, you think he owes you healing because the voice has been used to praise him. God says, you see, you, see, you don't understand. You don't know what things weigh. I said, be careful where you fight. Be very careful where you fight. What you don't know is that, where do you sing? Is it not church? And studio. How many hours in church? On Sunday. There's not a pastor won't give you more than 15 minutes. He passed like that. Then you go to studio. They control how you sing, how you don't sing it. And God doesn't like that tone. But you don't, you know the truth? You don't know. Then everywhere you go to sing, don't they pay you? What's your problem? Oh, today we have minister Okemute in our midst. And it's going to lead us in worship. And you come, oh, hallelujah. Let's just write there, just worship. They paid you. <laughs> I just want to be where you are. They paid you. <laughs> you collected the money ahead. The rest of us think that we are, we are following you in worship. We don't know what they, but what they do in, in gig. This is not your own gig. This is where the, you know, the thing is rolling from. And we had to be, God said, no, while I collect all the praise, just they look you. They now go to, you know the truth, you don't think about these things. Though. All you know is that you are not singing, boom, 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 boom. You are singing worship. Have you? You think you are superior to the, to Don Jesse and go. God is looking at you. Then you get your cancer in the throat. He said, you say, ah, God, you are calling me to order. He said, I've been singing for you. Because, eh, how much the pastor won't forgive you? <laughs> how much the pastor gave able to pay you? You were in Dunamis. How much did they pay? You went to winners. You said, God calculates everything. See, 25 million naira in the last three years. And you say you were singing for me. God punish you. <laughs> exactly. By that, God is telling you God punish you. You're done, you're done. You're done. You're not thinking about it. You think you're a worshiper. You think you're a praise leader. You don't think about it at all. You don't know what he's looking at. So by the time your voice, after you have strained this singing morning, afternoon, and night, all he wanted you to do, eh? Possibly sing in church. Release one album every year and relax the rest. But, you, but you, you, you know the truth? You don't That's the painful part. You don't know. Then your problem now starts. You now want to start raising shoulder. That is why no matter... Listen, if tomorrow my voice breaks and they say there's a problem on my vocal cords, I won't go and say, God, you know I've preached 2,000 messages. What will come to my mind is that maybe I was supposed to preach 4,000. And the time I was sitting in my house at night, 
I'll be telling my wife, Sisi Okimute's head is not correct. He's ready to smoke. Felix, I saw him yesterday. He went where he did it. All the gossip time. It's not the same voice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the, the one we use against Buhari, you know, ah, I forgot that one. <laughs> Let's not count that one first. Because so when the voice box has a problem, get on your knees and say, Lord, like Ezekiah, throw my sins behind your back. Have mercy on me. If I die now, how would the dead praise you? Lord, have mercy on me. You don't ever claim you've done something. Because if you were to show you what you haven't done, you'll be shocked. You'll be shocked. You'll be shocked. One of the ones that shocked me the most was Job. Oh, my God. You know, we're talking about the revelations of God for us to get to know God. If I thought that maybe I would touch that today. Because I've been thinking about it. Lord, what does it mean to know you? There's so much about God to know. So much about, you know, I began this by saying that this man didn't remember our personal, all those are small, small needs. He said they prayed that you, God will give you the revelation, you know, the, the, the wisdom, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the knowledge of him. Because there's so much to know. After all, you know what God said concerning Job? He himself testified. You have to know how to read God. God behaves like there are five gods, seven gods, 15 gods, two gods, three gods. Thank God. We, he had, that's why he had to say, the Lord thy God is one. Because if you look at the way he behaves, you think the Lord thy God is six. He told Job, go. Uh, no, it was not, not Job, Jonah. No, what's not the other guy? Balaam. Say, Balaam, go. Balaam started going. And God was angry that Balaam went, hey, wait, wait, make up your mind. Do I go? I don't go. After all, Balaam came several times to ask permission to go. Then you told him to go. Then he started going according to your instruction. You were angry that he's going. Then you told an angel to kill him. How many gods are those? Two. One that said go. And one that said, I'm angry you are going. Kill him. He called Moses. Moses, Moses, Moses. You will go and deliver my people. And on the way, he met him to slay him. Wait, excuse me. The God that sent Moses, was he sleeping when the second God got up to go and kill Moses? The Lord that God is for now. Remember? Two for Jonah, uh, for Balaam. Two for Moses. Sometimes that's how God is. That's why he had to come and say, guys, guys, don't be confused. It's only me. <laughs> it's, only, it's only me. You just have to get to know me. When you get to know me. See, but the time you said Balaam should go. Why did he say Balaam should go? He said, oh, Balaam, he was disturbing me in my left ear. I said, go. Then when I turned with my face, saw where he was going. I said, oh, kill him. Kill him. Where is he going? So when you were observing from the unwinding side of the life of Balaam, you know, he said to the crafty, he will show himself as if he's crafty. So when Balaam, because of the love of money, wouldn't stop asking questions, God gave him an answer according to the lust of his heart. But the real will of God was don't move from there because you shall not curse people that have blessed. Why am I talking about God again like that? We'll talk about more about him. That's why you have to pray to know him. Why am I talking about that? God came to um, um, Job 
He said concerning Job, of all the men in the East, there's none like him, the greatest. A man that, that fears God and eschews evil. Ah, uh-uh. If God testified like that concerning you, you know, you should take certificate to the bank. Let me take 600 million. Say, <laughs> so where's your collateral? God said, I fear him and eschew evil. <laughs> Banker, you bring the money. Look, don't worry. Because right now I want to go and buy land and look for fuel in Nasarawa. God will put oil there, don't worry. Why? See the certificate now. Think about it. God by himself said, you can take that to the bank. A man who fears God and eschews evil. So at the end of the day, have you considered him? Satan had to agree. So God said, okay, let's do something. I remove the hedge. You remove everything he's, he has. Because I want to prove to the whole universe, like one pastor priest that time, he said, I want to cure the backsliding of the saints forever. So I flicked him. So Job lost everything, children, goods, everything in one day. Satan came back, the story went again. A man that fears God and eschews evil. Ah, it's because he's still well and he's alive. So I afflict him, but you can't kill him. So he touched Job's body. Discussion now began. His friends sat down for a long time trying to convince him there must be a secret sin in your life which you have hidden from us very craftfully that has brought all of this upon you. And Job said, please, examine my life. Tell me something that I do not know. We all went to the same schools. We learned the same righteousness. I would have said the same things about you too if you were in my shoes. So I know what you know already to his friends. So those ones got tired because he was justifying himself. Then God now came and began to speak. Now that's where I'm going. Elihu spoke, and I realized that all Elihu could say was that, who are you to justify yourself before God? That's a summary of everything Elihu said. That God is great, you are small. God said, good. Elihu gets the point. Then God comes on the scene and did not accuse Job of having done anything. Just like telling Job, where were you when I created Orion? And Job like, excuse me. Who did you create first, me or Orion? Where were you? Can you hold Leviathan? That great serpent, that is a dinosaur. That's what we call dinosaur now, T-Rex and all of that. It's in the time of Job. You know, can you, ah, God look like, Job said, Somebody save me from this guy. What am I supposed to do holding Leviathan? Do I, me and I get problem? Did he come to collect my children? God looked at Job and said, okay, do you know how the sea moves? Do I look like a geologist or what do you call them? An astro, astro, whatever, or a a climatologist? Because you see, he doesn't know anything. Do you know how the womb, how the bones are formed in the womb? Yeah. Save me from this. <laughs> you know the truth? At the end of the day, when God finished magnifying himself and this, you know, showing Job his ignorance, this was a revelation in it for Job. 
All the while, let me summarize it. I had the righteousness by works, measuring myself by human standards. Yes, I did as well as everybody else around. But if I had known that where God is taking me to, please get this, is that I will become exactly like him. I will never have had this sense of self-righteousness because I will know that right now I have not become like God. Do you know that's what God is trying to do? He said we shall be exactly like him when we see him as he is. That's what he said. That's what he said. I'm not the one that said it. That is, if you know what God's plan for you, all right, is, you will understand that no matter how good you are right now, you are not close to it yet. Job said, ah, Listen, eh, I didn't do this, I didn't do that. Because you don't understand. The level of purity I'm bringing you to, not only will you not do those things, people who do them will not be able to stand in your presence. God never told Job, you did evil here, you did evil here. He just said to Job, in effect, Job, I'm your standard of righteousness, not anybody else. I know what we call that in the New Testament. We call that righteousness by faith. That is why we don't claim any form of righteousness by ourselves. We only claim what we are in Christ Jesus. Because only in Christ Jesus can we stand in God's presence. Only in Christ. Only in Christ can we stand in God's presence. So no matter how much I've used my voice to preach, if I have problems there, I don't go to God and tell him, look at how much I've preached for you. You know why? Because as I was preaching for him, there were times I uttered things he did not say. There were, there were words I uttered, which God said, it shouldn't be from a pulpit. Did you not sell cucumber one day? I know you were trying to help people, but he didn't give you cucumber to go and sell on the pulpit. Did you not utter words because you are angry with somebody? He said, if I were to number iniquity, who will stand? He said, but there is mercy with me. So when you come, I mean, I've seen people say, at such times you, you get on your knees and say, Lord, thank you for how much we have used this voice to serve you. I don't know why this affliction came. One of my favorite scriptures, Psalm 118. He said, the sound of joyful shoutings headed from the abode of the righteous. Because the hand of the Lord does valiantly. The, uh, 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 the hand of the Lord does awesome things. I'm using different words now. He said, I will not live. I will not die, sorry. I will live and tell of the works of the Lord. He said, the Lord, now that's what part I'm going, part I'm going to. He said, the Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. I like that scripture. The other time I wasn't feeling well. That's one scripture I just kept on quoting. There's no self-righteousness here. It's always what? Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, have mercy on me. For the voice will pray. Say, Lord, preserve this voice for your own glory. Heal my voice. Heal my vocal cords so that I can declare your mysteries, your excellence. Have mercy upon me because I know (laughs) I must have spoken things. I mean, it's not every time we are preaching. It's not every time we are singing songs. There are times where we're with our friends and we are laughing. And God is saying, that is jesting that is inappropriate. I will not count it against you as long as you don't bring yourself 
to the place of, what do you call it, struggling with Satan on the principle of good works. We want to pray that we get into Christ. And every time we always ask for mercy. That's why he said, draw near toward the throne of grace. Where you will obtain what? Mercy. What we need is every time. That's what we need. Mercy, 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 mercy. Every time. I like to say to pastors again, please. You are hurting the people of God. When you encourage them to pray. Because they've done something. They will not prosper like that. It will not go with, well with them like that. Be very careful. Oh, we've preached so many times, but I feel, I feel so strong that we have to talk about it this evening again. Self-righteousness is destroying our prayers. Self-righteousness. I know, like I said all the time, the temptation of a good man is good things. Because you don't, as far as you are concerned, you don't lie, you don't cheat, you don't commit adultery, you don't do this, you don't steal church money, you don't, and then you're a great giver. So when God said give 10%, you give 25%. When they say bring first fruit, you ask second fruit. There's this there's this sense of holiness with which you walk because of how much you have done. Oh, you can fast too. Sure you know that. You pray five times a day. You even have a, a mat for your five prayers a day like a Muslim. You know, so you've gone to Jerusalem and you know there's this foolishness that I see Christians practice. You two don't buy, you know there's this thing they wrap around their neck. Prayer, you know, that shawl of foolishness. People put around their neck and they call it prayer shawl. Nonsense. You know, Christians, they should ban smoking of Indian hemp in Christianity. Because I think, don't you think it's possible? We should ban it. Because we are behaving as we go to a large shrine. You see, Christians praying, they are rolling white cloth with uh, beaded edges. So that's how the rabbis used to pray. Do you look like a rabbi to yourself? Is this, you think Paul and Silas carry their prayer? <laughs> carry their prayer shop, enter inside jail. Now make holy, the Holy Ghost come down. You know, see Christians look very, very, very holy. Actually, feeling very righteous. Carry prayer shop. I actually had one mind. You know, when we want to manufacture doctrine, you should watch, you know, if, I, I think God is very patient too. Because if he watches, I don't think God watches Christian TV. <laughs> you know, I see strange things there. Woman said, you see, when that woman said, if I may but touch the edge of his garment, that is Jesus' prayer shot when she went to touch. Oh, you've heard the doctrine? Yeah, apostle. One of your women wants to sell something eh? And they'll give you that the Hebrew says, you know, the Hebrew for edge of his garment. I look and say, even if it is edge of his prayer shawl, he touched. Jesus said, your faith made you well. Not my prayer shawl. <laughs> made you well. They said that's what is the hem. As the thing was flowing, now the woman grabbed. I said, uh-huh. So when the shadow of Peter was healing people, it was the shadow of his prayer shawl. So... <laughs> 
God forgive me. God forgive me. You know, some of these things I say, I just don't want you to get carried away when you stumble into them. Laugh. That's what I do. I laugh. I just jump over them. Save me. I should wear prayer show. You want God to punish me. Anyway, I have a brother. I don't know what to do with some of them. I should turn them into a prayer cloth. So I tell my children, bring down my, down my blue agbada. It's time to pray. Once I fly, I look like angel. Let us. <laughs> no, some, you see what I'm saying? Some of these things, we practice them. We have tied them. You know, so when I get into the place of prayer, we have this self-confidence. As if, Heavenly Father, your special son has come. Your son that does not cheat, does not smoke, does not womanize. Who fasts twice a week. Who prays five times a day. And he has a skull cap and prayer shawl. It's me. I have done everything that I was supposed to do. I give. I know how many people that are surviving today because of my gifts. You don't say it like that, oh, but that confidence inside your heart. But listen to me. God will judge it. He will judge it. Oh, God. He, listen to me. He will judge it. That your holiness feeling that's based on what you have done, he will judge it. You know why he will judge it? He can't let you die like this. Because in heaven, nobody wants your type. Sorry, you, are, you don't qualify. You don't qualify. It's not about whether they want you or not. You can't. You will spoil the place. You smell. You don't understand it. You smell. If you approach unto God's heaven, you smell. You belong nowhere near there. So that's why on the earth he has to judge it. He will scatter your life, tear to pieces. You will wonder, what have I done wrong? I pray one prayer for such a person. That you have somebody to give you a message like this. Say, listen to this. Because they will not even know what you did wrong. You will not know that before God, you are one of the worst of sinners amongst Christians. Because your confidence is not at all derived from what you are in Christ. So I was meditating this afternoon. I wrote that thing down again. How to see yourself in Christ. Because, you know, one day I was somewhere, a pastor was preaching. They just finished, you know, prayer, you know, fasting. Assume they did fasting for 40 days. He said, after these 40 days, all those of you who participated, there's no way God will not bless you more than those who did not participate. You know, that's why the said, Bank, you're not going to church. I said, which one? You, you, you know, because you just want to carry your briefcase and start going. Say, pastor, 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 40 days hunger will make God answer somebody. What is wrong with you? You feel like telling him, sir, are you all right? What gospel are you preaching? When God answered Hannah, she just finished eating and drinking. So you look at them and say, God will answer you because we are hungry for 40 days. Jesus was not hungry for 40 days. Afterwards, he became hungry. That's what we're told. You're struggling with things that people never struggled with. There was nobody in the Bible. I'm sorry to say it again. Nobody in the Bible struggled to fast for 40 days. Nobody. They fed Elijah twice. Angels' food. In medicine, we call it depot preparation. Slow release. That food took 40 days to finish digesting. 
say, went in the strength of that meal to Mount Horeb, 40 days. Moses was in the presence of God. Let me tell you the truth. Water, food, everything. It should try your attempt to sustain life. In God's presence, in him was his life. Life flows out of his presence. You can't want food. His presence is everything. All forms of physical satisfaction oozes out of him. You don't even want sleep. His presence has slept you. You don't even want sleep. Listen, you, you, you don't even want to blink. Why do you want Moses 40 days? Do you know when Moses came down? Another 40 days, he didn't rise up to eat or drink. That will let you know that was not natural. In the case of Jesus Christ, he said, afterwards, he became hungry. That's what he says. You, first evening, you are already hungry. <laughs> Second day, you're already trembling. Third day, you can't get up again. As for the fourth day, they have to give you infusion so you can finish the fast. Somebody now says that because of that, God will answer you. Let me just tell you now, no. It doesn't answer anybody because the person is hungry. You know, we derive a lot of self-confidence from nonsense. After you finish giving, you feel so holy. When you want to pray, well, let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I want to beg you, I want to ask you to do this for us. You don't say it, but it's our offering in the morning. That give you confidence to pray, pray, pray in the evening. Let me just tell you, he will not answer you. Why does God answer people? Because they pray in the name of Jesus. That is the only confidence they have is what Jesus did for them. The only reason they, should, they, should, they feel they should be accepted is because they come in Christ Jesus. They don't ask, they don't, that is, they don't, there's no confidence. They have no confidence in the flesh in any way. The only confidence they have is that I am in Christ. I am beloved and I'm accepted in the beloved. He has called me to draw near unto the throne of grace. Here I will obtain what? Mercy. Here I am going to obtain mercy. I come in the name of Jesus. I know there are many things I have not done, but his grace, his mercy covers them. That's it. That is it. All my good works, you know, it's happened to me before. Maybe I want to be, you know, after doing some things, I want to pray. Your spirit is a bit happy. I said, Lord, please, can I just put on my hand? Isa, I want to say something. What is it? My stomach is sweating me because of good works we did in the morning. I just want to let you know that it's just normal sweetness. It's not the reason based upon what we want to pray. Like we say in Kingdom Word, I enter into the presence of the Father as a renewed child of God. I have not come in the power of the good works which I have done. I have come only because of the grace and mercy which I have in Christ Jesus. I tell the Lord that. Say, Lord, no matter what good I have done, please, it's not my confidence. Oh. The Jesus that hung on the cross is my confidence. It's my confidence. Why do I have confidence? You are my father. And I know you love me. 
I am your child because Jesus made me a child. He said to them that receive him, he gave them the power to become children of God. So I am your child because I have received Christ Jesus. And all the promises of God in Christ, they are what? Yes and amen. The promises are mine in Christ Jesus. Like I was talking about that voice thing. So I've been using this voice. Say, Lord, thank you for how much I have used it to serve you. But Lord, have mercy upon me. Heal me according to your promise. Himself took my infirmities and my diseases. By his stripes I am healed. That is the only reason I'm going to get healed. Not because I have sung for the Lord, I have preached for the Lord. I dedicate my voice again to serve you, Lord. Give life. Because, you see, we don't understand. God, it's your responsibility. See, even though it gives you an assignment, it's your responsibility to do what is right to stay alive to do the assignment. Did you hear what I said? After I called Moses, and when we wanted to kill Moses, Moses had to, a zipper had to quickly circumcise their son so that Moses might live. So there are things I've given you to do in obedience to my word. So don't come around and be bragging that I've served the Lord. No, say, Lord, have mercy on me. What more do I have to do? Like those people say, we are unprofitable servants. We have only done what we are supposed to do. That is the attitude that Jesus said the disciples must have. I said, we have to be careful that we don't enjoy ourselves with our prayers. One major way Christians have injured themselves is self-righteousness in prayer. And you see, they are doing their good works so that they will be able to pray. Somebody has said to them that if you don't tithe and give, God will not answer you. I say to you today, it's a lie. I give you an instruction. This is an instruction, a prophetic instruction. Next two months, eat your money complete oil by yourself. Just for two months, so don't. So only two months. And it's not for everybody. Just for one or two people that are listening to us from somewhere. Like I say all the time, to wipe out what? Self-confidence. You can only have eaten your money. You can't say, Lord, I have tithed. You can't say, I have given. You can say, Lord, the last two months I have eaten all my money by myself. So I cannot claim any good works now. Say, Pastor Mike, why should they do that? Because the fellow has been a giver all this while, only so that he can receive. Because I need to... Listen to me. All those things, God will judge those wrong thoughts in our hearts. Nobody is approaching unto him who is not approaching through Christ Jesus. Nobody. No matter how good a Christian you think you have been, if your confidence, your hope is is in anything else, apart from Jesus Christ, the shed blood of Calvary, you are not acceptable. You are not. No matter how good a girl you have been, a good man you have been, you are not acceptable. You won't answer your prayers. You know, people say that Cornelius was doing good works. He was resounding in heaven. Again, when people say things like that, I say you take it out of context. And you take it out of time context. You know what they call time context. First, get the point. If it was working, why did they come to talk to him? You think it was working? It wasn't working. Cornelius was doing good works. What God saw was his heart. So they said to him, send for Peter. He will tell you words by which you will be saved. What does that tell you? All your good works can't save you. How was he saved? By the good works. How was he saved? By hearing with faith. You know, the angel just gave us, Cornelius, we have seen all your offerings. But it doesn't save anybody. We have seen all your good works, all your arms. It doesn't save anybody. So you know what they are going to do? 
you will send to Joppa. There is one guy, his name is Peter. He is staying in the house of Simon the Tanner. Send for him. He will tell you words by which you will be saved. No, think about it. A man who's been doing works. They said, no, you need to do what? Hear words. Why? Salvation is in nobody else but in Christ Jesus. All the works that you do, they are inferior to what he did. All the works that you can ever do, they are inferior to what he did. Why do we do good works? Two reasons. Number one, we were created to do good works. It's just our nature. It's just our nature. Number two, our existence on this earth is attached to assignments. Each person has an assignment. Each person has an assignment that God has given him or her to do. That is why we do good works. When we go back to the place of prayer, our confidence always is in God's promises. Our confidence always is in the name of Jesus Christ. Our confidence always is in the sacrifice of the cross. Our confidence always is our faith in these things I have mentioned. Never in ourselves. I said at the beginning, we have to learn to do what? To pray. So that we don't waste prayer time. Christians waste a lot of prayer time. They ask for things they are not supposed to ask for. And they think because they, are, they ask God for, the, for those things, that God is the one giving it to them, automatically it must bless them. Not necessarily. If you ask for the lives of your enemies, it will not bless you. It won't. Solomon did not ask for it. And God was impressed. Now listen to me. If you keep on asking God for money, you will not be blessed. Some people are surprised to hear that. It's not in your Bible. He said to Solomon, he didn't ask for money. He didn't ask for a long life. He didn't ask for the allies of your enemies. Ah, what did you ask for? You asked for wisdom so you can faithfully execute the reason why you are placed here on this earth and not placed on this throne. So let me tell you something. And listen to me. The blessing of God makes what? Rich. When you talk about the blessing of God, it's God's initiative. That's what makes rich. The one you harass out of him is not the one that makes rich. He said to Solomon, you know, there's something I'm trying to say, and we must get there, we must get our Christianity to that level. Our pursuit all the time must be to know God. Our pursuit all the time must be to know God. And then as we are getting to know him, and getting to know ourselves in Christ, then it starts manifesting his eternal purpose through us. He has, he has promises that's covered everything. Anytime you find a promise, lay hold of, of it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's a very powerful promise. Recite that one every day. That will take care of all your needs. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Let me say, tell you something. Never ask God for great things. Look, give me five million naira now. God said, what do you want to use it to do? Uh, um, 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 you are stammering. God knows that you are thinking of your neighbor. I know what I'm trying to say. I don't want to get into that now. Say so those who want to be rich in this world, all they end up doing is what? Piercing themselves through with many sorrows. Let your prayer points be on things that have to do with divine purpose for each day. 
I hope you're getting my point. But your primary drive, your primary quest in this life is that God, I want to know you, like Paul said, and the power of Christ's resurrection. One of the things I tell the Lord when, I, when I'm praying is that, God, <laughs> this life, uh, to not happen, that will not experience that power of Christ's resurrection on a daily basis. And we say we lived. Which kind of living did we live? I hope you're getting my point here. I say, no, now we have to reflect Christ for people in an undeniable manner. That is, you know that this Jesus is alive. You know, there are times I sit down in my head and I play drama. <laughs> I should be a script writer. I'm just imagining some people threatening some people. You know, I just look, I say, somebody can't threaten me like this. And they say, you, you went and preached in our village. Don't come there again. I'll tell you, come back. Come back. The name of the God that I came to preach in your village is called Jesus Christ. Hmm? And you have come to shout against his servant. Before you reach home, you don't go see again. So, 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 so you know my Jesus is alive. Then you will do all your sacrifices. Then you will come back and I will pray for you and you will be well. You will think you are joking. As it's getting close, he thinks it's getting dark. No, you are getting blind. <laughs> Listen in the Bible like that. What's the name of that guy? You know, bad Jesus. That Paul said, ah, you that just turning somebody away for it. You will not see food for a season. Ah, I said, Jesus, I like that kind of thing. Not all of us will be shouting, say, where's federal government? Where's soldier to protect us? The Lord is good. What well, I have spoken at length. What have I said today? Let me just quickly summarize it. Listen. Let's learn how to pray prayers that don't waste our time. And the most important prayer that Christians must pray is the prayer to know God. And the second one, let me just add to it, is to know yourself in Christ Jesus. The knowledge of God is power. There are different kinds of knowledge in the realm of the Spirit. Yeah. Spiritual knowledge. There are different... I just put, I put it into three, three classes. The first one... Is a knowledge of spiritual facts. When I say spiritual facts now, things that happened, who created the heavens and the earth, why, I mean, who split the Red Sea open. You know, you can, spiritually, you can know these things. On the night he was betrayed, what did he see? They're just facts, all kinds of facts spiritually. That's number one. There's another kind of knowledge in the realm of the spirit, and that's knowledge of spiritual principles. And that is where Christians have missed it. You know why? They got stuck on spiritual principles. Spiritual principles, they say, work for everybody. Yes, they work for everybody because everybody's alive. I mean, like, we, are, we are all spiritual beings, even though we are all in physical bodies. You understand my point? I mean, things work. Spiritual things control everything on this earth. So when people learn a little bit of it, they get excited. That's why you see them sit down, this matter of seed, 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 seed every time. Yes, it's true. These are spiritual principles that are genuine. Do you get my point? They all can, so you hear, sometimes I hear preachers preach. Say so you learn to connect. You know, like once I heard one man talking. Say so you find a lineage of men of God who succeeded. You go and connect with that lineage. You no, know, it sounds very powerful, right? It's just common, cheap 
spiritual principle is not the word of it's not the plan of God for believers. I mean, he says, this man of God, he died at the age of 65. The guy who followed him, died at the age of 65. They were all dancing. So if you want to live long, you connect with those who live to be 90. So if I want to live to be 120 now, who do I connect with? All of you are dead at 80, 89, 90. I connect with Moses. Oh, <laughs> Methuselah. <laughs> Spiritual principles, they are, they are real. They are, they are real. I'm not saying they are, they are not true. So when I laugh about some of these, don't think that I'm saying they are not true in themselves. There's an element of truth in it. But problems that Christians get stuck on spiritual principles. We, should, we will learn some of them. But the third, the third kind of knowledge in the realm of the spirit, which is the ultimate knowledge, is called the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God and his Christ. Listen, that's super... See, let me explain what I say. There's a knowledge you have. Whether everybody in front of you died or 65 or not. You can't die a day before God says so. Never a time will come, you'll be like Paul. Oh, church, praise the Lord. You know I was sick last week. I was tired actually, I wasn't really sick. You know, I'm in the straight between two. Because I saw the Lord that time, and I was thinking that I should just follow him. But uh, and I now remember that we have a seminar next year, and there are some truths. There's a book I'm writing, and if I stayed around, I'll be able to help um, yes, small Israel, you understand, develop better spiritually. And then, you know, there's a ministry Okimuti was telling me about. We have to, I need to counsel him further. So I told the Lord, let's leave this dying thing for another few years. I don't know what I got that. That's what Paul said. He said, my desire is to depart and be with the Lord, which is far better. He said, but for your sake, I think I would rather remain. Who cares the lineage he attached himself to? The one day he looked and wrote to Timothy. He said, I think the time has come. I fought the fight. I've kept the faith. I've written all the books. Of all the revelations I'm supposed to share, there's a last bit. I'll write it in this letter. Once I've written it in this letter, I think I've finished it. Okay, I'm not ready to depart. That was when he could die. You remember his pursuit? That I may know him. That's what people don't know. The ultimate knowledge in the realm of the spirit of the spirit is of a person. And that is God the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ. The knowledge of them supersedes all kinds of spiritual principles. And that's what you need to ask God for. Bow down your heads and ask for the next five minutes. Say, Lord, knowledge of you, the knowledge of you, the knowledge of you, the knowledge of God, the Father, and Christ Jesus, my Lord. (laughs) He said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Moses said, he told God, I want to see you. These are people that understood something. No? Lord, I want to see you. I need to see you. They understood something. Reveal yourself to me. For Moses to carry on his assignment on the earth, God had to reveal himself in a new dimension to Moses. Pray this evening, Lord, 
Give me the revelation that I need to move on. Pray that prayer. It's an important prayer. Say, Lord, give me the revelation I need to move on. Give me that revelation that I need to move on. I need to move on from this particular position. There's a knowledge of God that I need to move on. Oh, pray that prayer. That's the prayer for this evening. Say, Lord, to move on in my ministry, to move on in my life, to move on in the things that you want me to do. Give me the revelation of yourself that I need to move on. Moses was there in the wilderness. He was there in the wilderness. Leading a stubborn and rebellious people. Things were not easy for him. He said, God, I need to see you. I need to see you. He said, if it is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation is your own people, your very own people. That was the prayer Moses prayed. And God said to him, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will call out my name, the Lord, before you. Or Yahweh, or Jehovah. And then what happened? (laughs) When the Lord showed up, in chapter 34, verse 6, then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin, yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, and all of that. Then Moses made haste to bow down. And based upon the knowledge that God had, he launched a new level of ministry. He said, if now I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, I pray, let the Lord go along in our midst, even though the people are so obstinate, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us as your own possession. Why could you pray that prayer? Because you just heard the name of the Lord pronounced. And that name says, the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness and truth. Pray it one more time. Say, Lord, I need to know you so I can move on. There's a new level I need to move to. I need strength to carry on with ministry. I need strength to carry on with my life. Things have been tough. tough. I've almost despaired of life itself. Say, Lord, but the revelation of you, I will be able to move. Sometimes you just hear the God of your destiny that is going to carry you on his wings by himself. You just read the scriptures, you find out that, oh, he bore Jacob on his wings. Like an eagle bears her cheeks. And then suddenly you will catch it. That I'm not supposed to struggle. I'm supposed to dwell in the secret place of the Most High. Pray, give me this daily bread. The bread I need for this season. Oh, it's prayer, it's prayer. The bread I need for this season. The bread I need. The understanding of God that I need. Not spiritual principles. Oh, God, that's a mistake. We get hung up on... No, they are good. I'm not saying they are bad. But let's not get hung up on them. What we need is a face of God in Christ Jesus. To see him. There's something you need to know. There's a way you will look. (laughs) And death will not scare you. You will know you are not departing from this earth until you and Jesus Christ agree on some things. So even if there's trouble and affliction around you, 
and there's sickness in your body and things that I want to afflict, you just say, the Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. You're not just confessing, you know. Say, Lord, revelation, that's what I'm asking you for this evening. Just continuing that prayer for like 30 seconds more. Say, Lord, give me the revelation that I need to move from this spot, from this present level. Give me that word. Let me know you. That I might move from this spot to the next place, Lord, that you're taking me to, to the next level of my life. Let me know you. Let me know you. Let's pray that prayer sincerely. I believe um, God wants to move us. He wants to take us forward. So, Lord, we are just asking. We've struggled. We've tarried in this mountain. We've been going over this mountain. We are not used to the mountain. You know, but Lord, we just ask, show us something new about you. Show us something new. Let us know you. Let us know you. Let us know you. Let us know you. Now let us pray this prayer finally and say, Lord, strip me of self-righteousness. Yes, strip me of self-confidence. You know, so that's, you know, stretch of teaching that as pastor took in explaining that self-righteousness, self-confidence. Let us pray. Lord, wherever my confidence is, sometimes we don't even know. Wherever my confidence is that is not Christ. Wherever my confidence is that is not Christ. Lord, strip me. <laughs> strip me of self-confidence. And some of these things are good things. Let's not forget. They are good things. Let us pray. And say, Lord, strip me of self-confidence. That my confidence will be in Christ and Christ alone. My confidence would not be in any system. Would not be in anybody. Would not be in anything I have done. But Lord, I just want my confidence to be in Christ. Strip me of every form of self-confidence. And let my eyes be on Christ and Christ alone. Father, we thank you. Again, you have brought your words to us. We have been corrected. We have been instructed. And you have impacted us with grace. Father, Lord, we thank you this evening. You have rebuked us. You've set us in path of righteousness again. And it's for your name's sake. Glory be to your name, Lord, this evening for this word that we have received. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Amen. Let us not forget that we, uh, as we go home, we continue to pray this prayer. And the prayer is that we want to know him more. We want him to reveal himself to us. And that is just the prayer. So please continue um, praying this prayer. And indeed, the Lord who sees the heart of every man um, will answer you in Jesus' name. All right, let's share the grace in fellowship. So this is your first time. I believe you have this magazine. All right, turn to page 11 of that magazine. At the bottom, you see a black box there. At the close of meetings, this is how we share the grace in unison. For the rest of us, shall we share the grace? One, two, three, let's go. Because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, surely we have passed out of death and we have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out of under the curse into the blessing. All things are passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. We live above sin and we walk above the devil because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of
in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's take that again. This is our season of the demonstration of spirit and of the power of God in the name of one more time. This is our season of the demonstration of the spirit and of the power of God in the name. Just give that to your neighbor too. One to your left and one to your right. Say this is your season of the demonstration of the spirit and of the power of God. One more person. This is your season of the demonstration of the spirit.